Hello and welcome to In the Art Scene podcast, a place where creatives share their stories. My name is Galina Marquez and I have another cool story prepared for you today. So let's get to it. Hi everybody, welcome back to In the Art Scene podcast. Uh, I am having a special guest today that I did not choose for this podcast, but my friend and partner on the podcast did. And uh, this is an amazing human being who is doing an amazing work with purpose. And he's the first filmmaker on the podcast. We haven't done that before. So welcome, Marcus Negrau. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about what you do in general and then discuss one specific project, one specific film that uh, made me cry last Saturday night. <laughs> so why wouldn't we start with you introducing yourself? Hello, Galina. Nice to see you. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, I was what I was listening all the other podcasts that you did in the in the last few months, and I love it. So it's oh, thank a you. very nice opportunity to be contributing a little bit with uh, my my documentary projects and films, and uh, so. Uh, as you can as you can notice by my accent, <laughs> I am uh, Brazilian and uh, from Rio de Janeiro, and I live. I'm 48 years old, and I live in San Diego, California, already for a couple of years. And uh, mostly, I produce documentary films, TV series. Uh, most of them about social and environmental issues. And I always choose project, projects that can somehow uh, create a positive impact in the communities that we're filming or changing uh, the point of view of some uh, important issues about our planet and people. So this is more or less what motivates me to, to go after stories and find interesting subjects to film. And, uh, and and somehow trying to make the film become a bridge between the audience and the characters and, and, and promote change in, in those communities. So this is pretty much uh, the basics of my projects. Well, I have only seen one of your documentaries, and I, I can tell you that you are doing an amazing job creating that bridge. Uh, I, I felt like I am one of those 12 year olds and like I can I can make a change in the world although I'm not 12 year old <laughs> anymore anyway so when when did you first know that you want to be a filmmaker and that you want to make not just entertaining films but do these projects with purpose yeah this is an interesting story because uh my my story as a filmmaker is a little bit different than the rest because uh I never studied filmmaking, uh, photography, cinematography, nothing like this. Actually, I was like an executive dressing a suit and tie in a huge corporation. Oh, welcome to the team. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I love. I always loved documentaries. I loved to, to watch Discovery Channel, Natural Geographic, and dreaming like, oh, that would be a dream life, uh, just traveling around the world to those, to those remote places and living like this, what adventures life, but maybe in, in the next life, because this one is not possible. I am a marketing guy. I work with marketing analysis. I, ha I have no contacts at all in this area. 
And uh, I always had that passion. But uh, one day, uh, that was like uh, 20 years ago, I decided to buy a camera. So I went online, I bought, I bought this uh, filmy camera. And as soon as I bought the camera, I said, oh, my God, why did I do? I expend all this money in a camera. I don't know how to film anything. I tried to cancel, but uh, the camera arrived. And then I thought, okay, if I have this camera, I need to film something that nobody never filmed before. So I was in Brazil at that time, but I thought, okay, the Brazilian slums, everybody already knows the Brazilian social problems and everything. The Amazon is also something that's a lot of content. And uh, at that time, I used to always travel in my, in my vacations. To, to nice places, to like isolated Asian countries. I was trying to find some hand in a boat here and there. So I decided to go to Burma, Myanmar. Wow. Yes. And at that time, Burma was very close, very close. I could not find any, any available material about Burma. It, it was very restrict for cameras, journalists, and things like this. And I say, wow, maybe this is a good place for me to start because there is nothing available. Maybe people want to know about it. And it was really interesting. I, I teamed up with another friend that was a photographer. And uh, I we kind of crossed the border between Thailand and, and Burma, now, right now Myanmar, uh, through the forest in the north, in the opium area. And uh, I spent one month filming there. And what was interesting, because I didn't have any background, so uh, before the, the travel, I spent like months watching documentaries on TV, just learning. Oh, I got it. You, you make like a 10-second shot. Okay, and then I can close a little bit and make a detail, another 10 seconds. And then I can do a pun, a tilt, and then I'm going to be uh, have a good material. I was using the tripod and everything. So I follow this format this production format to make sure that the, my material not gonna come all shaky and things like this. And what I found out was a, an amazing, beautiful country, uh, super interesting in terms of people, culture and, and diversity. And I spent one month in Burma filming different parts of the country, the, 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 the Golden Triangle, when they produce the opium and, and everything. Uh, I, 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 I travel uh, using a balloon over, over some areas of the country. A, a, I hot, a, a hot air balloon? A hot air balloon. Well. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was beautiful. And then we got a boat in the south of Myanmar to film the sea nomads, the sea gypsies. They wow. have a kind of tribe that they live in boats. And so so uh, I filmed that. And then I came back with my normal life. My vacation was over. I came back with my normal life suit and tie. And I found a small editing studio in Brazil to help me put together a teaser, a promo, something like this. So I had something to show. Everybody, oh, you filmed me, Amar. So can I see something? So I need to transform my mini DV tapes in a, in a small trailer. And it was really interesting because when I show up, the material was kind of really nice in terms of photography and everything. And I start connecting with other production companies that are doing jobs in this same uh, editing agency, in the same editing studio. 
And the people, oh, nice material. What camera did you use? And then I start networking. I made my promo video. And I start presenting this promo video to friends and family only because I didn't have any contact. And what happened is that uh, one year after that, uh, it, it uh, happened the monk revolution in Burma. I don't know if you remember that. It, this is like a 15 years ago or something. I think I would say 2000, uh, 2004, maybe almost 20 years ago. And, uh, and all the international press start covering the monk revolutions. The, the Buddhist monks decided to stand against the, the military government in Burma. And uh, during uh, a whole week or 10 days, we could see everywhere CNN and all the big news broadcasters uh, material about Burma. And then I thought, oh, this is my chance. I have a material about Burma, so I contact the biggest Brazilian broadcaster is Global TV. And they had, at that time, a Sunday evening show that was the biggest Brazilian audience. It's like the entire Brazil stops to see that show. And they put together everything that happened along the week. And I contacted them. I introduced myself. I said, I have a good material about Burma. Probably you guys are going to show up something in the weekend. So they say, oh, okay. So bring your material. Let's take a look. And they love it. And they say, Marcos, let's do something. Let's do the entire last block with you. And you're going to tell the story. I say, me? No, 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 <laughs> me, no. I can, I can give you the images and you put a professional journalist to do. No, 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 no. You know you're the one who are there. Uh, and it was funny because I was presenting that trailer for friends and family for one year. So I knew very well how to put my narration over the scenes. And, but it was funny because I didn't say anything to anyone because I thought at the deep that 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 would never go to the air. Because this kind of show, if something happened along the week, for example, the Pope gets sick or, or they, they just put it down, my, my Burma material, and it's news. Huh? And along the show, nothing was coming. And suddenly in the last block, it came, my, my, my segment. And it was super nice. Uh, I received 6,000 emails in the next wow. day. I wake up, I open my inbox, there was 6,000 emails. The audience of that material was like over, over 10 million people that watched that show. And, uh, and I start getting invitations and more people connecting to me. The photography was really beautiful. And in that time, there was very uh, uh, little content producing, produced in Brazil about uh, outside Brazil. Everything was being like a Brazilian content, Brazilian content. And uh, so it, it brought the attention of some of Brazilian uh, production companies. They started contacting me as I slowly start like collaborating with them. And then I thought, wait, maybe it's possible for me to be a documentary filmmaker in this life. Huh? So I, 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 I kept uh, working in the big company to save money. And after one year, I decided to just turn the key and open my own uh, production label uh, based on, on international issues and communities across the globe, remote places, environmental social issues. And I start my journey as a filmmaker. Wow. Okay, <laughs> I have a question and a comment to make. So my comment is, 
this this sounds like one of those stories when you become famous over overnight almost but i just wanted to point that it wasn't overnight it was a lot of work of you learning how to film spending a, a month in burma uh, uh, finding all those places and, and the scenery and everything uh, and then uh working for the whole year with the production company uh, producing the trailer pitching the trailer until the opportunity came along so this is this is amazing uh and my question is when you were talking about the places you went in burma uh like knowing that you went there with pretty much no information about the country at all because it was closed how did you find you know the ways of knowing and going and visiting all those sea nomads the gypsies and uh the golden triangle and all of that like hiring a, a hot air balloon for the first time traveling across the country that you have nothing about it's just you know you're an adventurous person <laughs> it's true it's true no, what happened is that a year before i went to thailand and burma brought my attention that time i saw in the map and said wow what is this little country here that i never heard about and i spent one year searching and trying to and put together this trip so it was one year contacting people searching buying uh lonely planet traveling guide and everything so i knew a little bit uh, the places I want to visit. But I think the trickiest part, it was filming inside the country. So what I did as a good Brazilian, I brought in my backpack few Brazilian soccer teams, uh, uh, the official Brazilian soccer uh, T-shirt and with the name Ronaldo. That, uh -huh. that was the famous uh, player. And I bought five or six because every time I had a problem, I would give as a present the Ronaldo. <laughs> oh, you can't film here. Where's your permit? Who are you? Oh, Brazilian. I, I, I played that uh, that uh, that whole of uh, the, the, the crazy Brazilian tourist. Oh, I'm just a tourist. Brazilian, how are you? A shirt and everything. So with this giving shirts for the authorities along the way, it was, <laughs> it was an easy way to just move forward and everything. Uh, I was lucky also to, to be in the right spots and uh, we are able to find good people there to help us, to bring us to the poppy fields, to, to, to those tribes. Uh, it was a mix of uh, uh, one year planning and studying and uh, being lucky to be able to really film, to really be like using the camera all the time and uh, and, and one thing that also counted is that uh, as the, the Burmanese people were not very used to be over in front of the cameras, I was a kind of invisible. Nobody was like too much paying attention on me. I was able to go there, place my camera, film a little bit. People were not like, oh, TV, we're being the, you know, it was, it, it flowed very well. It flowed very well. well. Nice. Well, good story. And yes, I remember Ronaldo. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Ronaldo saved me from a lot of troubles there. <laughs> <laughs> great, great soccer player. Uh, okay, well, uh, and it has been almost 20 years since then, right? So uh, yes. how many projects did your production company uh, produce? Yeah, we, we, had a, we have a couple uh, uh, projects that belongs to us uh and many projects that we we work with other companies 
But uh, what I think was interesting is that after this Burma uh, TV show, I decided to make a, a film saying, okay, uh, we did this TV show for TV, and now I want to make a, a short film or something to go to film festivals and to, to see what's going to happen. And I found a story in, in Rio that Rio, you know, Rio de Janeiro is full of social problems. Uh, we have uh, amazing culture, amazing people, a lot of problems. And I found this fisherman community. In Rio de Janeiro, we have a very, very big bay called Guanabara Bay. And around this bay, there are several communities, slums and poor communities. And I found a story in one of these communities. They used to be fishermen families, but the bay was so polluted, so dirty, that the kids, the new generation, they could not survive their fishermen, uh, fishermen anymore, and they are going to crime. The, all the kids in that community were going to drug dealing, robberies, and things like this. And I found one guy that was trying to take the garbage out of the, the bay, recycle, transform in art, engage the local children, so they, they, they will be engaged in this, in this recycling art project. And I said, oh, this could be nice. This could be nice. And I made a movie about that, a very a small and simple film, but really nice. I found some characters, locals, that they sing happy songs about their reality. The kids were great. It was my first experience actually working with teenagers and kids. And this film went very well. We, we are able to attend several important film festivals. Uh, we got awards in Hollywood. Uh, this, this film was presented in the MoMA Museum in New York for a while. What's the it's, name of the film? It's called Vultures Have Wings. Mm -hmm. Vultures Have Wings. Vultures Have and, Wings. Yes, it's a short film. And what happened, and this I think was the turning point of, of my filmmaker, uh, filmmaker um, perspective. Because uh, what happened is once the film started going to festivals, me and my partner in Brazil, we started receiving a lot of emails. Marcos, how can I help these kids? I say, whoa. That was the moment that I say, whoa, these films can really be a bridge. They can be a platform for this social change. So we started getting hundreds of emails from all over the world. Oh, I want to help those kids. How can I help this project? And it was tricky because we are, we are not like social workers. We are filmmakers. And it was a little bit uh, difficult for me to figure out at that point how to create these connections. But anyway, through the film, we found a lot of sponsors for that project. We found uh, uh, people that donate. We, we are able to build a, a computer center in that community. We build a library there. We build a school. We found a sponsorship for each one of the kids to go to college. And I felt so good. I felt, wow, this is what I want to do. I want to make films with this purpose that changes people's lives. And make the audience in the other side to be aware of what's going on, other realities and everything. So it, it was funny because uh, I, I made that film. And then I thought I was ready. I said, okay, I, I made this very successful TV show. Then I have this short film that got a lot of awards. So now I can do whatever I want. But it was not like that because uh, the, the filming industry is much more complicated and, and difficult. 
And I remember that uh, I used to write a lot of projects, uh, to write search and writing film projects and ideas. And I had the opportunity to go to Sao Paulo in, a, in one of those TV meetings where you can pitch and present projects for big players. And uh, I made a, an appointment with the vice president of National Geographic. I say, wow, this is going to be great. So I sat in front of her and I put my best projects on the table. And she looked and said, wow, this is nice. This is so interesting. This is amazing. But Marcos, how can you prove me that you are able to, to deliver this? You only have a short film. You only have a small TV program. And those are complex projects, TV series, feature films. How can you prove me that you can deliver? And I didn't know how to answer. And it was like a, a little hard because in the next day she used my example in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a presentation. She did a workshop and she mentioned me. Oh, this guy came, present me this wonderful project, but has no experience. And, and, and for me, that was a kind of punch in the stomach. And then I told my, my partner, oh, well, we need to find our best project, the most difficult feature film, and we really need to make it an, a very big, uh, successful project. Get a lot of awards, sell for TV everywhere. And uh, <clears throat> my project at that time that I chose was about climate change in the Himalayas. Because that was 2009. And uh, everybody was talking about climate change. But through the scientific point of view, uh, Al Gore had just released that movie, An Inconvenient Truth. He won the Oscar mm -hmm. with An Inconvenient mm -hmm. Truth. And it was about the CO2 emissions and the whole of the industries and all the graphics, graphics and the temperature raise and everything. And I wanted to do a climate change film by the human point of view, try to find communities and people already affected by the, the climate change. And I found this uh, nomad uh, a tribe in the Himalayas. They live in the top of the Himalayas. They are shepherds. And because of the, the, the desertification process of the Himalayas, these people are being displaced. They're, they cannot live as nomads anymore. They, there's no more water. And they are moving to, to the city when they lose their identity or they go to slums and everything. And I thought that would be a good project to invest. So I got um, my remaining money that I saved from the, the time working the companies. And it was very little. I would say that I, I had at that time $20,000. So I bought new equipment and I went by myself alone. To alone. Live, alone, yeah, alone to live with this tribe. I was doing everything, this, this, the, the microphone, the audio, the camera, photography, production, and everything. And uh, I lived for six months with this nomad tribe in the Himalayas. I was kind of adopted because I, I arrived there. And uh, I, I think if I come, if I, I come there with a, a team, a production team, you would be, okay, you guys there and we are here. But as I was alone, I was kind of adopted by that by one family, that the family that I, I filmed with. And it was amazing, amazing. I found a local person that uh, knew the dialect that they, they used to talk. It was very difficult, the communication. And uh, I lived with them for all those months, migrating with them, moving to different locations. 
uh, and the film went very well because uh, it doesn't even look like a documentary. Because I could, uh, I was so long with them that the, the arc of the film, the, the, many things were happening in front of the cameras, and I could find a generational problem going on. The young people wants to leave the the tribe and leave behind the, the, the culture and that lifestyle. And the old people say, no, no, we need to be firm. We need to live here. We need to keep going and everything. So that was the key drama of the film. This family where the, the part of the family wants to move, the other doesn't want. And the story uh, developed around that. And, uh, and this film went extremely well, extremely, extremely well. We, we, we won... 26 international awards with this movie. Wow. Uh, we sold for over 45 countries in television. And um, and again, a lot of people contacting us, how can we help this tribe? There is a lot of uh, studies over this film. This movie you can find on Amazon Prime. It's called The Broken Moon. Mm-hmm. The Broken Moon. It's uh, kind of... Uh, yeah, I watched it another day after many years. I said, oh, my God, it's so slow. It's a kind of Western. It's a Western of the Himalayas. It's low pace. You're really in the pace of the, the tribe. But it's beautiful, beautiful photography, very human uh, history, very relevant for that time. Um, and, uh, and I think that project was the one that really put me in the map. Before that, okay, some little things here and there, working with other people's projects, but this movie was the one, and this film was bought by one of the, the, the broadcasters that got the movie was Discovery Channel, and they bought for a few years, and they, they renewed it again, so it's it's it went everywhere. It went everywhere. It was a really, really nice uh, film project. I love it. I, I dream about coming back there and, and presenting the film to the nomads, create like an open air theater in the top of the Himalayas and see what happened like a 10, 15 years later. Uh, what happened? With oh, that, the- that would be fun. That could be a documentary on its own, right? <laughs> Bringing that film and showing it to them. Well, wow. This is, this is amazing. Uh, uh, what did the lady from the National Geographic said? <laughs> ah, that is <laughs> that was a good because uh, I met her later, and a uh, few years later, I went to another event and I met her, and she said, "Oh, Marcos, you did, huh? You did. I, I, I didn't believe, and I even use you as an example in that talk, but you did. And now National Geographic wants to work with you, but there is one problem, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> you have to invest $1 million in your production company because we are National Geographic. We are huge. We are a big corporation. So you need to have a department to talk with our, for example, our our our. Uh, law department to talk with, with us. You need to have a post-production department to talk with our post-production department. So you have two options. Are you invest in your company, make it grow, create departments, cannot be you and two other guys. Uh, in, I, I, I used to play uh, working in underwear. <laughs> in the, no, no, cannot be like this. Or you make a partnership with a bigger uh, production company. But what happened is that at that time, I was already writing Child of Nature, the project that the film that you saw. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had two options, team up with Natural Geographic or 
find an investor, find a sponsor for the movie. And, uh, and, and finding a sponsor for the movie would give me much more freedom to do the, the, the movie the way I want, take the time that I think was necessarily. Uh, and I thought this would be better for me. And I could sell for National Geographic later. So I decided to not like uh, work directly with them and keep doing my, my independent work. And it was a good decision because uh, uh, it was a very hard, actually. It took me four years to find the, the funds for this film. But I ended up finding an investor, someone who looked at the project and said, wow, this is amazing. Uh, I think this is a good idea. And I want to help you. I want to be your part. I, I, I'm not going to put my company brand on this movie. I think this movie cannot have any company brand. But I will. I want to be your partner as a person. I want to be your uh, as, your investor on that. How much it is and let's do it. And I, I found this amazing uh, a philanthropist. Uh, he's Brazilian businessman, uh, an amazing person, Miguel Kriegsner. And he became my partner in this adventure. And we worked together for five years, creating Child of Nature. It was a very long project. For, for the ones who doesn't know, I can describe a little bit what the film is about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll jump onto that. And I will make sure to put all the links to, to the films that are available for purchase or for rent online uh, so people can actually find them and watch them. And oh, no. I, I, yeah, I, I attest that the uh, Child of Nature, the project that we're going to discuss right now, which is like that, that's, yes, that's really big. It's, everyone should see it. I have, I have so many questions about that, but please continue with the story. So uh, what I did is like, uh, I put together my true uh, previous experience. I, 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 what happened in that small uh, short film that I did in Brazil, that people contacting me and how can I help these kids? I say, oh, all right. How can I make something like this, but global? Not only a small Brazilian issue. And uh, so I decided to make, and also the way the, the world was developing and all the, the problems. And say, I start studying and say, maybe the children are the key of most of the answers that we are looking for. The children, until a, a certain age, they have this enchanted view of the world. They don't see difference between culture, races, color, religion, anything. And uh, they see everybody as brothers and everything. So we come to this planet with this enchanted view. And when we are presented, when we grow up and we are presented for all these dogmas, the, the educational dogmas, religion, economy, politics, and then it started the disconnection process. So I thought, if I make a film about kids around the world with this enchanted view, doing, really doing things for, for their communities, this can inspire people to do the same. And I, I remember that I thought a lot about my mother, because my mother was a Brazilian middle-class woman, very intelligent, that reads all the newspaper, it's updated about everything. She knows that we need to preserve the planet, that we need to, to have a different uh, consuming attitude and everything, but she's not able to come back from the grocery shop without 30 plastic bags. She never gonna recycle or recycle or do things like this. And I realized that to change my mom's 
mindset. And when I say my mom, actually, I was thinking about everybody, just using her as an example, cannot be on the mind, cannot be like telling her to do things or, or, or showing her things. She needs an internal paradigm shift, something that she really feel from inside, wow, how, how can I contribute with this process? How can I use my personal talent to do something? relevant for the, the planet. And I thought the kids could be the trigger for that. So I wrote this project that about children and youth taking the responsibility of changing the planet. And in the beginning, it was really difficult because I could not find any project online. I searched a lot, a lot, a lot. Maybe I found one or two. I found one activist here in Canada. I found uh, some kids in Germany doing something relating planting trees, but I, I knew that those kids were around, but I, I didn't know very well how to find them. And it was interesting because uh, when I present the concept for my investor, he said, Marcos, this is an amazing idea, but do you have all the stories for this global? This is a huge project. You want to film all over the world. Do you have all the stories? And I say, mm, yeah, a kind of, a kind of, but actually I didn't have the stories. I depended, I was, I was hoping to have these predestinated encounters. When I, when I, when I go to the world uh, after them, I was sure that uh, we will find each other. And um, I got the funds. I, I used to say, just, just a parenthesis, that uh, make the film is 10%. I think when we're talking arts in general, do the artist 10%, the other 90% is getting the funds, the distribution, the business around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it was really difficult, but uh, finally I got all the funds. I found my partner, I got the funds, and I went. I started traveling with my camera. This time I was not alone. I was uh, working with uh, my wife. And uh, that I think he helped a lot in this sense. And also she got pregnant along the way. So every time we find a story, she was with that big belly and everything. So it broke the, the barriers a little bit. It, it, it made more uh, uh, us more trustable for the families because work with children is not easy. You, you have not only to, to have an empathy, to develop an empathy between you and the kids, they need to see you as a friend. If they don't see you as a friend, they, 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 don't they don't collaborate. They don't want to repeat the sequence. They get tired very, very, very fast. They don't want to open their lives. So first of all, you need to really be in the energy of the kids and be able to, to become their friends and have the trust of the parents. Who are these people that is going to be here with my kids day and night? And, and, and so those are the, the obstacles that we had. But to tell you the truth, finding the stories were super easy. We found one story after the other one, like magnetic, magnetic. We never be, uh, went without a story. Uh, there was some interesting episodes along the, the journey, uh, but was always one kid introducing the other or someone coming and say, oh, this is a nice project. I heard about that. Oh, have you heard about the kids? Uh, 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 kids' rights uh, prize. Have you heard about the? So uh, it, it was uh, like uh, creating this network, and it was amazing because uh, I filmed for three years in fifteen countries, 
And uh, I, I found 15, 25, 25 youth organizations working in totally different ways and in different segments, spirituality, uh, social issues, street kids, world peace, arts, environment preservation, activism. And I thought this was the key because when I first designed this project, the name was Child of Nature, Kids Like Protecting the Nature. And then I found out that, wait, wait a minute, it can be much more diverse because when the kids, when the audience will watch this, they can connect with the cause that they are more passionate about. When we presented this for in a classroom, for example, some kids will connect more with the girl that is a youth journalist. Other kids will connect more with the Filipino boy that is helping street kids that you saw in the movie. Others will connect more with the African kids, the photographers. And I thought this was the idea. And something really incredible happened. Uh, the film in itself is starting to started to connect all those organizations. Because uh, uh, every time I, sh I arrive in a, in, a, in a new place and I tell about the film, the first question that the kids or the organization around the kids, they ask, Marcos, who are the other kids? What are they doing? And I start uh, describing and connecting them and describing and connecting, describing and connecting. So at the end of the process, all those 25 organizations in 15 countries were working together, exchanging ideas, exchanging methodology, help each other in campaigns and everything. And then when well, I thought this can be, this movie can be a call for a movement. This can be a call for the, the, the unity of the young people. For so the films follow a little bit this path. Yeah, it, it was actually amazing. It was very moving uh, toward the end of the movie uh, when uh, first you watch kind of absolutely separate, uh, not connected stories, and then at the end of the movie, those kids are writing each other emails and uh, creating something together. It's uh, it was it was really really moving because it, and it was kind of unexpected in a way because it started as just you know anecdotal different um, stories from different little parts of the world. Let's take a short coffee break. Producing this podcast sure takes a lot of energy. Would you buy me a coffee so I can continue doing it? I would really appreciate it. The link is in the show notes and on our website, intheartscene.com. Thanks for supporting our show. Hey listeners, did I tell you that we have fun merch? Well, we do. Click shop on our website and check it out. We have tees and hoodies, coffee mugs for your paint water, and my personal favorite, a studio apron. We use fun quotes from real artists, our podcast guests. And the best thing is all items are customizable, so get creative. By purchasing the merch, not only do you support the production of this podcast, but you also help us support art-related nonprofits and community organizations. Thank you for your support. So where did you start, actually? What was the first story that you discovered? Um, I started in in United States because uh, for the feature film, I only included five of the many stories. I chose my 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 five best stories, 
and the Indian girls at the end, the journalists that mm -hmm. connect everything. And I also put everybody at the end. At the end, we have that sense of movement, so everybody's there. But the stories in itself are my five best stories. So I start filming in the U.S. I found good stories here, but not as powerful as the ones that we see in the film. But the second country was Canada. And then I found Takaya Blenny, the activist, the, the indigenous activist that advocates for children's rights and for environment. Mm -hmm. Canada is the second story in the movie. She's very articulate, very impressive. The, the, the way she can, at such a young age, be so powerful. And uh, I thought it was a really, really interesting story to bring. Yeah, and, she, she reminded me a little bit of Greta Thunberg. Yes, yeah, yeah. totally, totally. And, uh, and from there, I went to Asia. And somehow, I, I realized that, that in the developing countries, the poor countries, where the social issues are more profound, are, they were easier to find really, really tough stories. As, as, we, as you saw, the African kids, India, and for me, the best of the best, that is the Filipino boy mm -hmm. oh, that yeah. helps street kids. So um, that those many stories of, I found in the middle of the process, after like six, seven months filming, I was like a happy, but not very excited. But when I went to, to Asia and Africa, everything changed. It was where I really, really found the story that I saw, wow, this is, this, as you said, I used to sit, I, I used to film the whole day in Africa, India, and everything, and sit in the sidewalk at the end of the day and think, oh my God, why, what did I do in the last 40 years? Because these kids are doing much more than me. These kids are such a young age, and they don't have all those excuses that we hear all the time. Oh, when I have money, I will help the others. I will, I will. But not now, when I have money. Oh, when I have time. Right now, I don't have time. But when I have... So these kids, they show to me that doesn't need anything like this. You don't need money. You don't need time. You just need to, to, to want to do it. And they really are, they're super professional and they work hard. They run their own organizations. And um, it, it was for me like a... a um, a PhD in social work. I change a lot as a person also. Uh, uh, first of all, becoming friend of these kids that I still friend of them. I still connect and it create a very big uh, bond between me and those characters and, um, and learning with these organizations, uh, the way they do their, their, their projects. So, it, it, it was a fantastic journey. It took me three to four years. I, I went around the globe three times. And, uh, and the most difficult part was to edit the film. Because I had all these 25 stories. I said, all right, now, now where do I start for, for putting together those stories? My, my, the first cut of the movie, I tried to put everything. Because I wanted to show that there was a movement. I wanted to show that there is stories everywhere. The diversity, the sense of movement for me was more important. But the problem is that the stories in this way, the stories were very shallow. And, 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 and people were complaining, no, no, I want to know more. Cannot be so fast. I want to know more about this organization. I want to see the drama. So I start like uh, <laughs> removing stories and, and going deeper in some of them.
And, and right now we have the movie, Child of Nature, that is available in most of uh, streaming platforms around the world. Google Play, YouTube Movies, Apple, Apple TV, iTunes, everywhere. And uh, we have a series that is around the film, mostly educational, because we found out, I thought in the beginning that my main audience would be the, the teenagers. Because we the film is about children and teenagers. But I found out later that our audience is much more the mothers and the teachers. They are the ones that really advocate for the films. The mothers are the ones who say, Oh, you gotta see this. They are the ones who take the kids, put in the in front of the screen and show the film for the kids to see the other realities, what other kids are doing in other parts of the, the world and everything. So the, we, we, there is an army of moms around the film. I think uh, I end up making a movement of mothers. I think, <laughs> I think yes, and, and, and educators. The schools are also a great uh, 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 resource for the film because the teachers, they can present each one of the stories. They can go deep into the issues. They can... Because uh, in the movie, we talk about the refugee crisis. We talk about... Uh, social, environmental, everything. So the teachers can go deep in these issues and they, we can develop together with the teachers action toolkits for the, the kids who watch the movie to start their own actions. Like, uh, all right, I watched this film as you told me. Oh, I cried and I watched this film. And, and then what? And, and how at the end of the film we, 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 we can connect these kids? We can give them tools to, to start doing doing something. So that, that's what we're working right now in building a platform and, 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 and master classes when kids can learn for the kids and they can collaborate and everything. But uh, the, the film in itself, uh, I think it was, um, it was like a, a amazing process. And, and I was really, really happy to develop this process and be able to complete and release. And the film was successful. It, it also won a couple uh, international awards. And um, and <laughs> we're still in this path. Yeah, yeah it's it's uh, it's the really, uh, truly amazing project. Uh, absolutely. So what happened to the other uh, stories? I know that you have included um, at the end, where during the credits, there are other kids. There are little clips of everyone. Uh, I assume that those are the rest of the stories that did not make it uh, to the film. So, are you planning on doing something with those? Maybe later on. Maybe Child of Nature uh, sequel, uh, or uh, are they just going to be like on the shelf? And uh, second question. Um, related to the same thing. Is there a story that did not make it to the film that you personally have connected to or something that you wish you could put in the film, but for whatever reason that didn't make it? Yes, yes. So uh, uh, for me as a film, filmmaker, this is the most difficult decisions to make. First of all, when we arrive in a community and we film them, we create a huge expectation. They, they, they put so much hope that that movie is going to change their lives. And this uh, gives me a big responsibility. Wow, now that I cross my life with these people, 
I cannot say bye and disappear. So it was actually really difficult for me to choose the stories of the movie. And uh, what I did is like, uh, first of all, uh, get all the, the short stories, all the 25 short films that I made and, and make them available for the organizations so they can use in their corporate material, they can use to raise funds. Uh, now we are putting together a series that comes after the feature film. Uh, I, I have the feeling that this series will be more educational. They're gonna be more in the in the school system than in the in the entertainment uh, streaming platforms, but we never know. But uh, there are a few stories that I really, really, really wanted to put in the film. What happened? Uh, you start a movie. I start this film alone, so I was the one taking all the decisions. But along the process for the film to succeed, you need to bring partners. You need to, 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 to bring executive producers, associate producers, and, and they start having voice on the project. And they, they, they sometimes they bring the, the, the view from the market. The director is passionate. The director, it's, I want that carrot. Oh, it was so much effort to make that sequence. I want that sequence in the film. And the guy who is not part of the process saying, oh, it doesn't work. It's too much crazy. No, no. For example, in the first cut of the movie, this is something that I still, uh, with that, uh, that, uh, butterflies in the stomach every time I feel, I, I think about it. In, the, in my first cut that was not released at the director's cut, I create a guided meditation in the middle of the film. People say, you are crazy. So the film was going on, the stories were going on towards the end of the film, a little bit before the end of the film. Everything started getting like in slow motion. I start uh, bringing that uh, Indian meditation music, and one of my characters in India, one of the stories that didn't made it to the feature film, he 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 opens the eyes, looks straight to the audience, and and and, and brings a guided meditation. That was so beautiful, so beautiful, so beautiful. And 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 we see the the scenes of kids from all over the world and everything. And then after this meditation, the films comes back and, 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 and come with the grand finale and everything. I love it, that sequence. I always thought it was a piece of art. It was my director's license. But at the end, at the end, the, the distributors, oh, it's too much, Marcos. This is too much. This is, the film became hippie. Nobody's going to get that. I don't know. It's still a conflict inside me if I should say, no, this should stay because it's very innovative. I never saw a guided meditation for the audience, for the audience. It was like looking to the eyes of the audience seated on the theater and, and doing a guided meditation. So, I, I, want, I want to see director's cut. Is it available anywhere? Yeah, I, I, can, I can show you this link. I still have this. I, I have this guided meditation as a sequence, as a separate sequence that I can send to you. It's really beautiful. Is, it, is it possible to share it with uh, my audience? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, we will put it in the show notes. And uh, so the, this story was about a boy in mm -hmm. India that lives in, in Islam, and he was a healer. He was healing other kids in the Islam with Heiki. 
I thought that story was amazing. I love that boy. He's one of my best friends so far. Uh, we are very connected uh, still. And, uh, but uh, it was a little bit difficult for the people. Oh, he's putting his hands over people and healing. He, he thinks he's a god. People didn't get. Most of the people didn't get. So I end up not including this story in the movie. I, I have his story in separate as a short film that we want to release in festivals. Mm -hmm. It's ready, ready to go. And another story that uh, didn't go for the film. The Reiki guy would fly in California for sure. Yes, yeah. I want to bring him here. He's fantastic. His name is Ram Sony. He belongs to our organization in India called Touch Lives, an amazing, amazing project. And uh, another story that was great, 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 but also very long and difficult to fit, it was in Thailand. I found an orphan, orphanage, orphanage that uh, it was a house uh, in the middle of Thailand, run by children. It was 120 kids running that house. And, and, and with many departments, helping other kids, helping the communities around singing songs about, uh, inter uh, uh, about uh, universal love. The music is something that I want to talk about because uh, what, I, what I found out along this process that uh, a lot of kids uh, creating songs. So we have the, for example, you saw in the movie, the Canadian girl that she sings songs, the African kids with that hip hop that ends the movie. So the, the film itself started uh, becoming very musical. And I thought music was excellent to communicate with younger audience. And, and there was many interesting stories. For example, if you allowed me to tell, because this is one of the best. Uh, for, uh, at the end of Child of Nature film, we have a music video. The film ends with these African kids singing this hat music about uh, the connection of all the kids in the world. And ends with those scenes that you mentioned, clips of all the, the kids that we film and all these 25 organizations bring this sense of movement. And I remember that I was filming this Islam in Kenya called Madari. It was a very difficult place to film, very dangerous, very complicated, very dangerous. And I was filming with the, a young photographer organization. There was nothing to do with music. It was a social project that takes kids from the Islam and teach them photography. And along the, the filming, they say, Marcos, you need to know our neighbors. Our neighbors are called Billion Music Family. And it's very similar. Billion is, is this guy, young guy, and he takes the kids from the slum and teach them hip hop, rap songs. And they sing music about the power of the children. And when I heard this, the song, I said, wow, this looks like it's made for the film. It's exactly what we talk about. I want to know them. And uh, I connect with Billion. I, I start making a, a, a film about them. And I said, Billion, I want you guys to make original song for the film. And he said, all right. So, Marcos, I'm going to book a studio here in Nairobi for us to record the music. I said, no, 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 wait a minute. First, you guys write the music, show to me. We can adjust the music. The kids they can practice, can reverse. When everybody, everything is ready, we book the studio. Say, no, no, no. Here in Kenya, we don't work like this. I'm going to book three hours of studio. Then I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to expend money because 
What are I going to do three hours in the studio without the music? There's nothing. And it was a miracle. We arrived in the studio, me, Billion, the, the, the manager of the project, and two kids. And in the first hour, they wrote the, the lyrics at the same time that the guy was doing the beats. The second hour, they record the song. And the third hour, they edited the song and gave me the flash drive with the music ready. You're kidding. Yes, everything wow. was made from zero to the end in three hours. From no music, zero, wow. no nothing. For writing and the music, recording and editing in three hours. And it's amazing. That music, it, it's amazing. And so, that, that's the song that is playing at the end of the movie, right? The song that plays at the end of the movie. So what we have around the film, and uh, it would be lovely to, to share with your audience, is not only the, the teaser, the trailer, the film in itself, but those music videos, the guided meditation that I made in, in Ninja, uh, the call for unity that we have at the end. We have very nice short videos that we use as a campaign that helps to promote the film. And for me, they are the best. For me, those music videos, those, those guided meditations, they are the best of the best. They didn't made, make to the film some of them, but they are, for me, are the gold, is the, is the best of the best. Wow, I, I really did not anticipate how much more it is to the film than the, I mean, the film itself is incredibly moving, but uh, the way you're describing all the uh, little parts that did not make it to the film and all the effort and the connections that you made along the way. And, uh, and, oh my God, your pregnant wife working with you, <laughs> connecting with all those children. It's just, it's making it uh, much more, it's, it's so much bigger and so much more uh, moving and more personal. It's yeah, it's really incredible. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me for, for sharing. Cause uh, this is something that everybody wants to know. There is this, the story of the film and the, how the film was made. I used to say that sometimes how the film was made is even more interesting. How I met the, the people, how we ended up filming that, how we found these stories. I remember, for example, that uh, I, in the middle of the journey, uh, my, I wanted to film something in, in Thailand. And uh, I was searching about kids helping animals. I know that there is a lot of uh, elephants, sanctuaries, and things like this in Thailand. So I started searching in this, in this way. But I could not find anything. And the weather was not good. I, I, I bought already. I had buy these tickets to, to, to Bangkok. But uh, the next 20 days would be horrible weather, rainy. Nobody was replying. Uh, I couldn't find any story. And I was very anxious. I said, oh, my God, how I am traveling to this country, spending a lot of money in hotels, air tickets, and I don't have a story to film. Usually when I go to the country, I was already connected with the organization. But in that case, so I landed in Bangkok. And my wife, she found a hotel just beside the hospital that she wanted to go in the next day for a prenatal exam. Mm -hmm. So she chose a hotel, a small guest house, just in front of the hotel. And I remember that I, I, I came later, we came late at night for this hotel room. And I was kind of sad. I said, oh, I can't believe that we are already here. We don't have a story. Imagine if my sponsor calls right now to, to ask where I am, what I'm doing. 
And suddenly I looked to the trash can in the, in, the, in the room and there was a magazine inside the trash can. What is not usual? Because when you, when you get a room in a hotel, the room is totally clean. Uh-huh. There was a magazine inside the, the trash can. This was like 10 minutes after, after landing there without a story. Then I took the magazine, I opened it, and the cover of the magazine was Children of the Forest. Oh, my goodness. The, the title of the magazine. Then I opened the magazine, and there was this huge article about this orphanage uh, in the middle of Thailand, the, the house run by the kids, helping elephants, helping this, helping that. And I said, Johanna, my wife, I found the story, I found the story, and there was the name of the organization. So I called in the middle of the night. It was late. It was like 11 p.m. or something. I call anyway. I call someone, pick up the phone. And I say, oh, my name is Marcos. I'm a Brazilian filmmaker. I'm doing, and I talk for one hour without stopping. Telling everything. At the end of my speech, I was already midnight. The lady said, why you don't come tomorrow? You can, <laughs> you can stay here. in the. Uh, we have a room here for you guys, and you can stay for a month. No problem and everything. So we landed in Thailand at, at 9.30 p.m. I found the magazine at 10.30 at midnight. Everything was ready for filming. It was like miracles. So some of those miracles, they happened around the way. And uh, and we went there and it was uh, super nice. That's one of the stories that didn't make for the film. They are there. They, we have some clips of them, but uh, this story, unfortunately, didn't make. But uh, it was it was beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm listening to you and I keep thinking about, uh, and it happens uh, Almost every time I'm I'm talking to someone on this podcast, uh, it, this feeling of like you are you are sending something to the universe and you are receiving you know the guidance and everything. As long as you are open minded, as long as you are ready to uh, jump into action, it's just coming along. So yeah, it's it's really it's true. Amazing. It's true. This, this is very important. Uh, when you go for an art project or for a film, you need to be in that vibe. It cannot be just an idea. It needs to be something that you are really committed and you are in love and you want to do it. It doesn't matter what. And uh, this, this Child of Nature project, different than the past ones, it was very magical in many ways. Um, for example, when, when I was looking for the, the, the sponsor, as I told you, it took me four years to find this sponsor. I wrote this project in 2012, and I only found the, 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 the funding in 2016. And what happened is that I was about to give up. I was four years having hundreds of meetings and showing the project to people. People even cried during the presentations. But they say, oh, but we don't have funds this, this year. Oh, but this is so complicated. No, but it, it doesn't match with the, the marketing communication of my company and everything. So I was not like I was getting very tired at the end of the process. And more than this, my money was finishing. The royalties that I was getting from, from the Broken Moon was finishing. And I remember that was October 2015. And I gave myself a deadline. 
I say maybe because I was so much committed to that that everybody around me say you're crazy, stop, move on, and uh, you, you're gonna break, you're gonna go into bankruptcy. You're putting yourself out of, out of the market to don't work with other projects. I was like totally on that. And uh, in October, after three years trying to find funds, I, I put myself a deadline. I say, oh, if in December I don't find this, this money, I had zero so far, zero, not even one, one dollar. If in December I don't get all the money, I will give up. I will change my career. I don't want to be a filmmaker anymore if I don't <laughs> find this, this money. I will find something else. I'm frustrated and everything. And I start like really, really asking the universe every night and, and going to, to spiritual rituals and everything. And I remember that a uh, few days after that, I got a phone call from one of the production companies that I used to work, offering me to, to direct a very big project that was nothing to do with Child of Nature. And it was a very controversial project. There was some, uh, it, it was a dam that would be uh, a, a, a hydroelectric plant, a huge hydroelectric plant that uh, some, some big companies were planning to build in the middle of Brazil in indigenous lands that would create a huge, devastating uh, ecological impact and social impact. And this, these people want me to work for the, the, the companies, to make <laughs> films for the companies to show how good it would be to build that, uh, that uh, hydroelectric plant, how, how, how this would transform the people's lives. But that was exactly the opposite that I wanted to do. I needed that money, but uh, I could not do it. And, and, and the producer said, no, 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 you got you to gotta get this. And, and I say, Marcos, I'm going to put 20 people to work with you. You're going to have the structure that you never had. You're going to have all the, the, the photography directors, cinematographers, the entire production company work for you. And I give you, and he offered me like a very good salary, very good salary. And I remember that I, I hang out the phone and I look to, to, to the sky in my, in, my, in my company and say, are you guys kidding? Like, cause I was like a, asking so much for the universe to make child of na nature happen and suddenly people putting my my in front of me a lot of money to do something completely opposite and i need that money so i said no and the guy called me the next day saying no 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 i'm not gonna accept the no i double i double the salary oh my god i said no i triple the salary and if you don't get i put you in the fridge don't call us anymore if you don't accept. I say no. And one week later, I found my investor for China of Nature. Wow. That was the universe testing wow. me. That was the universe saying, let's see if the intentions of this guy is real or if it is about money. Put some money from him in the table and see what's going to happen. Was really difficult decision, but at the end, like in mid uh, November, I found my investor, and uh, and then I was able to to do the film the way I wanted. So, and, and from that point, a lot of magic start happening. I start, as I told you, uh, it was very easy to find the stories. One thing connected to the other, and uh, and it was 
an amazing time of my life, I would say. Wow. Wow. Well, I applaud to you for not selling your soul and sticking <laughs> to the plan and, and doing the right thing. It's it's wow, it's amazing. All right. Well, I have to uh, cut off here because we are uh, at the top of the hour and I have mom's duty. So, <laughs> but there's one last thing I wanted to ask you a big, big favor. I oh. am I am such a big fan of uh, Portuguese language. So uh, I, and I usually at the end of the episode, I said uh, I usually say we'll see you next time in the art scene. Mm -hmm. Can you say that in Portuguese for me, please? Of course. So first of all, thank you very much. Well, thank you. I love this conversation. For me, it's so uh, energizing to bring back these stories, to remind all of this. And um, so thank you a lot. Oh, you made my job so easy. Like uh, the moment I think about the question you were already talking about, <laughs> I didn't even have to do anything. You just did the whole job. <laughs> oh, thank you. And so, uh, sorry again, how is the phrase that you want me to say in Portuguese? We'll see you next time in the art scene. Então, nós nos vemos na próxima vez no art scene. Oh Obrigado, muitos beijos e foi um prazer estar com vocês. Ciao. I have goose I have goosebumps. Thank you, Marcos. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. It has been another episode of In the Art Scene podcast. If you liked today's conversation, please give us a good review on Apple and go listen to other great stories. Check out our website intheartscene.com or follow us on Instagram at intheartscene for more content. If you are a creative and you want to share your story, shoot us a message from the website or DM us on Instagram. Look forward to seeing you next time in the art scene.